White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 586. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. All right, we are back, we're back, we're back. I'm not dead, and we're back. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by Andy Fix. How are you tonight? Isn't that your name? I can't remember you, stranger. Aren't you Andy Fix? Right. I am indeed, and Van, it is fantastic to see you again. It's been a while. I'm, I'm I, glad that you're feeling better, and I'm super excited to talk Babylon 5 again. I'm, my <laughs> wife just won't talk it with me, so you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I didn't die is the main lead-off news story, but I had really, really bad version of COVID. This was my second go-around with COVID in the last two years, but this one really kicked my butt. I was laid up. You know, for our purposes, the worst part about it is that this one really gave me a terrible cough, and I'm still coughing. I'm probably going to mute myself or go <coughs> like this. I'm still dealing with this COVID lung, but I'm a lot better than I was. I couldn't have gone through a whole sentence a week ago without coughing my head off. So it's slowly getting better. But um, we are back now, and I really apologize to our listeners and especially our patrons um, who have been waiting patiently for us to continue with Season 2. I was afraid that people would start thinking we're just, you know, we just quit. We just gave up. But we didn't. We've just had to keep delaying and keep delaying until my health recovered. And so here we are finally. So and before that, we actually had a kind of delay where you and I both had things going on. And so when we were ready to, we were already like a week late and then I got sick. So it's really just been a nightmare. But but tonight, we are going to look at two new episodes in season two. We're going to look at, what are the two? You just said it. I can't remember off the top of my head. I got it written down here. Uh, we are going to watch Hunter Prey and They're All the Honor Lies. Oh, Yeah. So, and There All the Honor Lies is interesting because it's one of the Peter David episodes. It's another Peter David right. episode. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun talking yep. about the last one, which was one with his with Londo's wives. Um, let's see. I'll just quickly remind folks to, if you want to become a patron of the show and help us stay on the air, we really, really appreciate it. And we are back, and we're going to be regular again unless, unless Andy comes down with a black plague or something, or, or I do, or whatever. We, we should be okay. And um, go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, and click on the Become a Patron box. The shows tend to post in the following order. As soon as I get them edited together, they go up on Patreon. So those folks get to hear them the later part of this week. And then on the following Monday, they go up on babylon5review.podbean.com. And I usually have them linked at b5review.com, too. So they go up on the Podbean page, which means they go out over the podcast apps on Monday morning. 
And then a week after that, they go up on our regular White Rocket Entertainment feed. So if you want to hear the show several days early, become a patron, and there are going to be other benefits as we go along, videos and stuff that we will do. All right. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else that we need to talk about business-wise before we get going with our first episode, Andy? would like to give a shout-out to one of our regular listeners from the uh, Babylon Facebook page. A gentleman by the name of Squatch introduced his girlfriend to Babylon 5, bringing in the new fans for the old Babylon 5. So I thought that was pretty cool. He mentioned it on there, and then he mentioned he was a big fan, so I just wanted to give him a shout-out. Squatch. On the Babylon 5 Facebook page. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Good He's deal. a regular listener and inter- introduced his girlfriend to the show, so I thought that was pretty cool. That is very cool. Very, very cool, and we appreciate it. We appreciate all of our regular listeners, but that is really neat. Okay, so let's go, so we're, we're, we continue in the order that you can find on the Lurker's Guide to Babylon 5 episodes page, which is the original broadcast order. Andy and I were just talking before we started the show that it gets confusing sometimes because HBO has them in a, their own strange order, and there's other orders you can find. There's a lot of different ways. Oh, just wait till we get to Crusade, talking about weird orders to, to put the shows in. There is no official, really, way to do Crusade. But we are going by... The broadcast order, I believe, which is the Lurker's Guide order, if you go to midwinter.com slash lurk, that's where you'll find the order that we use. All right, so uh, do you want to do the summary for this one? We're going to do 213 Hunter Prey, and then we're going to do There All the Honor Lies. So do you want to do Hunter Prey, or do you want me to do this one? Uh, I can do Hunter Prey. That's fine. So this was the episode where um, uh, uh, a fugitive from Earth, Earth Force, actually, comes to Babylon 5 to go into hiding because he has top-secret information that could incriminate high members of Earth Force. So Earth Force intelligence is chasing him down. The B-plot is Sheridan gets in touch with Kosh, because Kosh wants to start yeah, start doing some, uh, some exchange of information with him, but only in, in a way that Kosh can, can do it. So it's, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> in other words, a way that makes no sense to anybody except him. Right. No, you do not understand. Well, because you're not making any sense, you big walk-in shower curtain. <laughs> Go away. I make as much sense as I want to make. Kosh is such a pain in the butt. He talks in enigmatic riddles. You call him on it, and he's just like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm Kosh. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break, Kosh. Um, yeah, so we do get a little Kosh here on this one and the next one. And uh, we're, we're, this, is the, this is sort of that mid part of season two where Sheridan and Kosh are starting to be buddies a little bit. And I love that because it's so out of left field. Yeah. You did not see that coming until this episode, I don't think. Well, the alone, all right. alone in the night. All alone in the night was the beginning of it, right? And, right, and, and this builds on that a little bit. Yeah, my little note was Sheridan decides to try to get to know Ambassador Kosh better. And I said, I.E. at all. Because we don't know <laughs> anything about him. This one was written by JMS, directed by Menachem Benitsky. Interesting. I don't know if he did any others. That name is not familiar to me. Uh, we have a few notable guest stars. Bernie, the great Bernie Casey, who actually played mm-hmm. Felix Leiter on the Sean Connery uh, non-Eon James Bond movie, uh, Never Say Never Again. Uh, um, he also played like right. a, a... He was also a character on... Um, the first uh, Revenge of the Nerds movie, too. He's been in a lot of stuff. He plays Derek Cranston, the Earth Alliance investigator. Uh, Jeff Conaway is back in a bit part as Zach Allen. He's going to show up more and more. Wanda DeJesus as Sarah. More about that. Tony Steedman is Dr. Jacobs, the fugitive. 
and it, which is funny that we have a fugitive doctor because we also have Andreas Katzlis, who played the one-armed man in The Fugitive. Right. <laughs> How about that? Oh, that's funny. He wasn't yeah. in this episode, though. No, he wasn't. That's right. But we have Richard Mall as Max. So, you know, mm-hmm. JMS likes having characters named Max. There's, there's Max in Crusade. There's this Max, and there's Max the Cat. Right. So... All right. And Richard Mall has a lot more hair than, than what I was used to seeing. <laughs> As is true, yeah, yeah. It's bull on night court. So do you have any factoids or notes you want to throw out there before we go into our categories and discussion? I have one factoid and one uh, semi-interesting observation. The cool. factoid I have is that the Vorlon writing, when Sheridan was looking at the ship with uh, Ivanova, and then Kosh came in after they left, and uh, he asked the ship a question, and the ship responded with writing on the side. The actual there there is out there a uh, Vorlon alphabet that you can translate from Vorlon to English. And the Vorlon uh, ship uh, the the writing said Steve Pug P U G H, which happens to be the visual effects supervisor of Babylon ah. Five. Ah, so he he snuck his own name like an Easter egg into the episode that nobody figured out until obviously somebody tracked down the the alphabet and decoded it the only other thing that i have is an observation about um when uh garibaldi was going in disguise disguise yeah. quote unquote yeah. and he pulls out the 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 hat the pork pie hat and put it on that was eerily similar to uh the expanse which i know you watched yes with detective miller mm-hmm. who was also a a rough around the edges cop with an alcohol problem who wore a pork pie hat specifically as a disguise, quote unquote. And I'm curious because I know the, the, the authors of the Expanse series are huge sci-fi nerds. I'm wondering how much, and this is the first time I ever thought of this, how much Detective, Miller char- Detective Miller's character was influenced by Garibaldi. I, I, that would be an interesting question to pose to them at some point. When the first book came out, uh, I think Bobby Polite one of our associates, told me I should read it. I feel like he's, it was him. And he said there's like a Garibaldi character. Yeah. So he was kind of, and, and, and so I, I was primed going in to look for that. Gotcha. But, but yeah, um, I agree with you 100%. There's a lot of Garibaldi type feel, feel to Miller. And yeah, and certainly Garibaldi came first. So Right. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I was just wondering if that was a little homage they put into their, their novel series and their TV series. A little homage or a nod back to Garibaldi. I don't yeah. know. Some, I, like I said, interesting to, to uh, question. Those those guys were right at the table next to me at Archon a couple of years ago. I wish I had <laughs> thought to ask them. All all I did was get them to sign a poster for Bobby, and I mailed it to him. Nice. But, yeah, I got I got them both to sign the uh, the the Expanse promotional season four, or season five, whatever poster. Mailed it, but but um, is, is, to Bobby Nash. Bobby Polite. Oh, Bobby Polite. Okay. There's there's two Bobbies in my world, and one's Nash and gotcha. one's Polite. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So I got a couple. By the way, I'm sure JMS was not happy when he found out what what the Pew guy had done with the writing on the side. Because <laughs> he never likes it when people do stuff like that. He never right. likes it. Okay. Uh, we know that Dr. Franklin studied medicine at Harvard, and one of his teachers, Dr. Jacobs, went on to become Vice President Clark's personal physician. <clears throat> um, interesting that the, the Lurker's Guide said, keep an eye out for a certain... Uh, figure that you may recognize. Do you know what 
type of character may have briefly shown up in this episode, and the only person that noticed him was Garibaldi, and they didn't say anything? I can't think of anything. I, I need to go back and look. It doesn't say where, but there's a scene where Garibaldi and Sheridan are walking down a hallway, and somebody passes them, and Sheridan is distracted and doesn't notice, but Garibaldi kind of does a double take and looks back. It's a ranger. Really? The sec- it's, This would be the second time one has shown up. That's interesting because I know uh, Sheridan saw the uh, the little red flag that indicated that, that there was a, a meeting set up. I wonder if the ranger put that it, there. It was when he was looking at the ribbon that Garibaldi looks at the ranger. Gotcha. But I, I haven't. I didn't catch it either. I read that. I read that Sheridan is looking at a ribbon and Garibaldi looks back at a ranger, and I'm like, whoa. So now I kind of need to go back and rewatch it again. But That's I don't want to sit through through another 50 minutes just to see this one scene, so I'm right. not sure. Well, I remember when Garibaldi looked back, and I thought it was just because Sheridan had stopped to look at the, the ribbon that Garibaldi glanced back at him. But, I, I, man, right at the beginning of the episode. So Is it? Okay. So a couple of questions that were raised. Sheridan gave Sarah the data crystal. Did he give her the code to unlock it? Because it, we never <laughs> saw it. I, I didn't. Right. I didn't hear him say anything. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he gave her like it was written down on a post-it note or something stuck to the side of it. That would be great. <laughs> hey, it was good enough for uh, for um, um, what's his name in Ready Player One had his co- had his uh, code on a post-it note. Um, <laughs> oh, this is good. During Sheridan's first secret meeting with Sarah, Sarah tells him, "Quote: Whatever you do, I suggest you do it quickly." Unquote. Now, the Lurker's Guide notes this is the same thing Jesus Christ said to Judas Iscariot immediately before Judas went out to betray Jesus. And the actress's name, the actress's name was Wanda de Jesus. (laughs) De Jesus. That's crazy. How about that? Her last name is de Jesus, basically. And he he quotes Jesus. That's pretty strange. Um, and there's there's no way that the writer could possibly know who they're going to cast for that part. No, no, exactly. Uh, oh, at That's one point in that meeting, uh, she leaves her flashlight behind, and and JMS was asked about it, and he says, "Yeah, we were hoping nobody would notice." <laughs> she sets her <laughs> flashlight down. You know, she they do the little click 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 thing. Uh-huh. She sets it down, and then she leaves after the meeting. She doesn't pick it back well, up. Well, of course so. she did, because if she ever got picked up by Earth Force security. She would have to explain why she had the flashlight. That's, she was just leaving any evidence behind. So that, that good, was intentional, I'm sure. That's a good point. All right. I have, as I did with All Alone in the Night, I have the transcript of the dream, or, his, or the conversation, actually. It was a dream the first time in All Alone in the Night. This time it's a, it's a conversation. So here we go. You wanted to see me? You wanted to see me. Well, I, I guess everybody does. See what you really are inside that encounter suit. They are not ready. They would not understand. Am I ready? No. You do not even understand yourself. Could, could you help me to understand you? Can you help me to understand you? Well, I can try. Is that what you want? An exchange of information? I tell you something about me. You tell me something about you. No, you do not understand. Go, which is what I'm talking about. Damn it, what do you want? What do you want from me? You know, ever since I got here, I've had the feeling that that you've been watching me. The records show you hardly ever went to council meetings until I showed up. When I was captured, it was you who reached out and... 
touched my mind. Now you call me here. Why? Just to throw me out? Are we just toys to you, huh? What do you want? Never ask that question. At least I got a response out of you. So what'll it be, Ambassador? I will teach you. About yourself? About you. Until you are ready. For what? To fight legends. How awesome is that? conversation andy that 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 made one of my categories and <sighs> i have to say that what do you want has got to rank up there in the top three things of her to ask of orlon <laughs> no doubt about that uh, never ask of orlon what do you want or um what's under that curtain thing there can i poke around under there <laughs> i guess <laughs> and um i guess a, another thing to not can ask I take orlon your ship is, bad for us yeah, uh, never ask them to shake hands anymore. After their last encounter, shaking hands with somebody, they don't want to. <laughs> they don't want to shake hands anymore. Not that I even knew Kosh had a hand, right? But whatever. I thought he had one of those little R two D two hands that comes out and like wrestles with Yoda for the flashlight or whatever. But anyway, um, okay. So that was interesting. Do you have any thoughts about that conversation, or are we just going to leave that where we left it right there? I mean, we can we can discuss that now for sure. Captain Sheridan has the patience of an angel for, for even making it to the end of that conversation without punching Tosh in the, in the encounter suit because, man, that was frustrating. It was like talking to my five-year-old. He just repeated everything that he said. Um, but, true. yeah, that, that, last, that last line there, well, two, two things that jumped out at me was we saw some emotion from Kosh for, the, I think, the first time ever. Yep. Because um, he, got, he got very audibly upset when uh, Sheridan asked him, what do you want? Very, very portentous. Yes, very portentous, for sure. It's a great line. Nope. Okay, so that conversation to me was interesting, and I don't want to do any spoilers yet. We can talk a little bit about that later if we want to. But that conversation was interesting to me in the sense that it's clear Kosh wants something out of Sheridan, but he's very oblique about it, and he's not. it's like he's not completely convinced himself that's the sense I get is that Kosh is not even convinced himself of how far he wants to go and, and how he feels about it. And so um, he's almost like trying to get Sheridan to talk him into cooperating. It's like he wants Sheridan to convince him and he gets disappointed when Sheridan says the wrong thing, not because Sheridan has done something bad, but because Sheridan hasn't hit hasn't pressed the magic button that gives Kosh the answer he wants. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like Kosh is playing a double game here, and it's 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 frustrating and interesting at the same time. Right. Agreed. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's see. What was your high point of this episode? Uh, the high point for me was Kosh's ship. I always loved that ship. I thought it was it, it's got a great look to it, and it's so different from anything we we had seen on on sci-fi TV up to that point. Um, and just the details we get about it, especially there at the end when they, they talk about how it's, it's not really a, a piece of technology, but a living organism that has been grown, you know, for, for this use. I thought that was really cool. And it shows that the more advanced races on this show have organic technology spaceships, which is right. it's, it's not just the Vorlons, obviously. We've, we've already seen and we know that there's somebody else out there. There's somebody else out there in the Toth. That has that same kind of stuff. So, right. Um, my high point was Sheridan getting to kick Cranston off the station for wasting his time. I love that not only did he get to get rid of that annoying guy, but he got to blame Cranston. He he like set Cranston up 
to to be the fall guy and then blames him. You're wasting my time, Cranston. Get off my stage. And I'm like, yes. Right. You know, I mean, it's like it's like the cops show up at your door to arrest you and you go, you guys are wasting my time. Get off my property. And they leave. Right. What a it, feeling, man. Right. Since Cranston was acting like such a jerk towards the entire staff for the entire episode, it was it was great to see him put, you know, put it in his place a little bit. I thought it was cool. And Bernie Casey did a great job. He's a good actor, and I, I really liked his how he was kind of high-handed and just really made the guy very unlikable, but still believable. That was a good good job. So what was your low point? And I'm, I asked this with some trepidation. I'm almost nervous of what you're going to say. <laughs> My low point was any scene with Max, particularly the scene when he's talking with Cranston when he's wearing those sunglasses that was oh, God. it looked like a, a late 80s early 90s attempt to look cyberpunk with yes. uh, with zero budget which is probably what the case was <laughs> and it was just horrible and richard ball you know god love him on this show he was i mean he he fills one of my other categories so yeah it, just his, oh, yeah. his acting with with that outfit and that look it was just not not good let's go ahead and roll these together you've got him for the orenzento ari benzane award don't you i do i do too <laughs> it's a sweep right. it's a this may be the right. first four-way sweep in our show's history but low point of episode and overacting award for both of us <laughs> that's <clears throat> that is sad poor richard yeah i agree i like him but i really didn't like him on this episode no right poor richard yeah all right well that took care of two categories right there what was your most babylon 5 scene <laughs> uh the most babylon 5 scene uh one we already talked about was the, the whole conversation between caution sinclair or yeah. uh sheridan sure i thought that was really cool especially that last line the mm. last two bits the the part where uh he kosh gets upset about the, the question that was asked of him, and then the uh, to, to fight Legends line. I thought both those were very Babylon 5. <clears throat> that, that, is, that is one of those lines that makes your space opera brain explode. You know right. what I mean? That, that is like the purest space opera thing we've really gotten in this show yet. And we know it's only going to get bigger. This show goes from being right. a kind of a procedural science fiction you know, almost like police show in a way because they're military. It's about to change into a big, bold space opera because, you know, that was that was sort of JMS's thing. He had an idea for a procedural technical show like Star Trek, you know, on a space station. Um, Star Trek meets Casablanca, you know. And then he had an idea for this giant galaxy-wide space opera. And he was in the shower one day and he realized he could do the two at the same time. The 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 context is the space opera story, and the focus is what we see on the station. And we've been kind of right. on the station to this point, but now we're seeing the big context, the big picture, and it's looking interesting. Right. It's been almost downright claustrophobic mm-hmm. that almost every minute of the the first season and a half has been on this on this station. I mean, there's been a couple, you know, a couple scenes on another ship or something to that uh, nature. But for the most part, every shot has been on the, has been on Babylon five. And that, like you said, that is about to change. Yeah. 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 That was your most Babylon five scene. My most Babylon five scene, I think was, yeah, it was, we're kind of swapping around. There's a handful of scenes that kind of qualify for all these categories and we're just swapping them around. My most Babylon 5 scene was was Sheridan and Ivanova looking at Kosh's ship at the beginning and then Kosh is lurking in the shadows, interestingly enough, 
uh, watching them look at his ship and kind of taking notes because because Kosh is like moving around the background this episode a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah, we we both like the same scenes. Obviously, it's pretty that's, and that's pretty clear. So. And I'm curious as to what uh, that conversation was between Kosh and the ship. I mean, not not the the actual one. You know, <laughs> that the, the who's science, the best? The, the who's the best uh, special, effect. special effects guy on the staff? Yeah, that's what he's asking. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm curious what what in character Kosh asked his ship. I I mean, it could be anything from what do you think about this Sheridan guy? Is is does he have potential? To what's your fuel level status? Do I need to? Do I need to pump you full of right. uh, Cheerios or whatever an organic ship eats? <laughs> Could have been anything. What was your favorite character moment? I th- again, I think we're going to kind of keep duplicating these, just mixing them up. My favorite character moment, simply because it it took uh, place between uh, two of my favorite characters, was the conversation between uh, Garibaldi and Franklin. Um, oh, I, I like the the whole the whole uh, side plot of them investigating. You know, trying to find a. Uh, um, the, the the doctor and they they had a they were doing this together because Franklin knew the guy, so I thought that 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 particular conversation when you know they're they're looking they've been looking for him for a little while then they take a break and eat and then they just talk about how you know the the Earth has gotten all this technology and it doesn't seem as as world changing or as cool as they thought it would be and I thought that was kind of the it's you know it's the quiet moments like that that make these these episodes pretty cool. Oh yeah yeah absolutely. My favorite character moment was the was the Kosh and Sheridan scene we keep talking about to fight legends. Just, I like that Sheridan is usually so commanding and in charge, but going up against Kosh, he's kind of like reduced to, but mister, he kind of turned into Opie on the, on Andy Griffith. Like, you know, come on, mister. (laughs) Won't you talk to me, huh, please? No. (laughs) So I just, I liked it because he stood up, but he still stood up to him. And I like when Sheridan right. stands up to Kosh because nobody else stands up to Kosh. That's for dang sure. So that's interesting. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I did not have a funniest moment. I just couldn't find a really ha-ha moment in this episode. It wasn't dour and serious. It just never had a really funny moment to me. I, for me, the funniest moment that, that I found was uh, when <laughs> Garibaldi first went to talk to uh, uh, Dr. Franklin about uh, the fugitive because he knew that Franklin knew him. Yeah. And... Uh, Doctor, you know, Doctor Franklin came back with was well, Michael. You'll just have to listen to me on this one. And Garibaldi replies, "Well, Doc, the last time I listened to you, half the station got blown up when a, a monster went charging through here with alien technology." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that got a chuckle out of me. That was good. I forgot about that. That is. Good. They usually do come up with something. The two of them. I, yeah. I you know, I, I'm going to have to say my funniest moment was when Richard Mall put on those sunglasses. I'd forgotten. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that, but that is comedy yeah. gold. That is yeah. comedy genius at work right there. So I'm going to go ahead and give right. him that. Well, <laughs> there, this was a pretty quick episode. I mean, before we say who won, I'm just going to I want to say a couple of quick things because again, it's been a month since you and I watched these too, so we haven't got as much deep conversation as usual. But I will say, this was kind of an interesting one that reminds us that they are looking for evidence of. It's like if they hadn't done this, you'd be like, they know that that. Clark is illegitimate. They know that Clark murdered the president to take over. Are they doing anything? And this episode, if nothing else, reminded us that they are working behind the scenes, trying to find evidence, slowly building a prosecutorial case, right? If nothing else. Right, right. All right, who won this episode? 
Uh, for me, I put Sheridan because he he had a little bit of a breakthrough with Kosh, and he got to show up the uh, the Earth Force uh, investigator, and he got that the that important evidence to Sarah. So I, I think he came off looking the best at the end of this episode. Yeah, that's fair. I basically had a had an easier time figuring out who lost the episode. I feel like the losers were Max. Cranston and basically President Clark lost a little bit, although not as much as we would like. Join right. us in the join us in the spoiler space in a minute, and we'll say a little tiny bit more about that. All right, so woo, the rating this should be interesting. It's always interesting to compare our ratings. What did you rate uh, Hunter Prey? You know what? I gave this one a two point five. It, it wouldn't. It, it was a good story. Um, structurally, it was pretty sound. It had some cool moments in it. Uh, would have been a three, but Richard Mall dropped it down half <laughs> half a point to, to two point five. It's funny you should say that. I started it out at two point five, and I deducted point five as well for something I'll have to put in the spoiler space. So, okay. in fact, right now it's the only note I even have in the spoiler space. I was I was literally coming down with COVID while I was sitting at my computer writing the notes for this episode a month ago. And I got down to spoiler space and went, what even show is this? Oh, and I turned the computer off. <laughs> so I was like in, I was on fumes by the time I finished watching these two. And, uh, and so it's really weird to kind of see it from both ends, like bookends. All right. So right. we're going to, we're about to do 214. Right. There all the honor lies. I got a couple of, I think, interesting things. I'm sure you do about that one. But again, we have to thank the patrons who keep our shows going. And this is where I always actually literally thank the patrons. So brace yourself. Because these are the folks, if you go to www.b5review.com, you can join these ranks. And I'm going to try to do this with my COVID lungs. We'll see how far I get. All right, Andy, here we go. We have to thank, we have to thank Samuel Salvatore, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crackham, Patrick Hayes, Allison Rich, Bart Lindsay, Bradley Blackman, Chris Usher, Gary Grant, Logan Chilton, Matthew Flowers, Mike not feeling witty Kirshner. And by the way, remember, when you join, you can put whatever you want in the name, and I have to read it. And Andy always has a good time at listening to the names that these people come up with. Uh, you can even advertise stuff in there, your website or whatever. Phil Amthor, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Willie Carden, Ann Kanjian, AU Falling Up, Auburn Tiger Talk, Ben Bloodworth, Brian's Not Harsing Around, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Emmanuel Seaman, Eric Morgan, Bobby, George Gaston, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B, Ole Mrs. Miracle Medical Staff, Algorithm, Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Preston Settle, from the Weather Channel, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Hammett, His Arms Wide, Rich Reimer, Steve Harlan, Tank Hunter, Theodore Gary, Valiant Hermes, Virginia Double Dribbled, amen to that, WDE Richie, I'm watching an Auburn basketball game on the corner of my eye right now, we're beating Central Florida, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, what? Brandon the Smith, Brian the Albanese, Bye Bye Bobo, Cato the Barner, Chris the Hilton, that's the whole the section, I love that, Coach O is going to end up living in a van down by the river. Colby Butler, <laughs> Corey Smyre, Darius Bitten, David Simpson, Di Bama. Oh, it was so close. Earl Ricks, Eric Mahan, Heather and Yancey Steingraber, helping Van upgrade his insulation. I love that. That's my last thing down here in the studio is to put insulation in my ceiling so that my wife doesn't hear me talking when she's trying to go to bed early. Uh, Hugh Anderson, 
John needs to listen to hellbentatl.com. See, there's how you do it. You put your website in the name. Yeah. John is the co-host of our other show. Josh Teal, Kevin Kenoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Melissa Blackstone, Mike Finley, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, SEC targeting rules will lead to flag football, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Snowdog. Uh, this is the year. Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87, Alex Nguyen, Auburn Elvis, Ben Amos, Ben Hanshue, and finally, Ben Patton Fan Appreciation Club, Ben Riggis. Oh, boy. Betty Botter bought a bit of butter. Betty Botter bought a bit of butter. Betty Botter bought a bit of butter. Bob Sammons. Thank you, Bob. You're always so funny. Uh, uh, C. Braun. He just tries to mess me up. He changes it every week. Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Colonel Dad, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, David Smiley, Elizabeth Donald, Ice Cream Clone with the Boba Fett head. It's still great to be an Auburn Tiger. I admit, I agree. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht from our network, John Stubbs, John Zavachin, John Soundboard, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT, for the love of Auburn, we must prioritize recruitment of pass rushers and big butt offensive lineman Jarhead. Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Reigns, Michael Halbrook, Michael O'Connor, MVP, Cap- Captivating Kathy Bright, Paul Bankson, Robert Drain, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky Big Boutet, John and, and Andy are monkey boys, Stephen Thompson, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rubble, Chris, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.b5review.com or just go to patreon.com and look for uh, White Rocket. And it'll come right up. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can join the fun and be on that list. Woo. And Andy, there are an increasing number of Babylon 5 supporters on there, along with all the other shows. So it's really cool. That's very cool. I have to take a drink now after all that. All right, let's get into 214. There all the honor lies. So I'll do the summary for this one. <clears throat> Sheridan is in hot water when he kills a Minbari warrior in self-defense. Sheridan continues his quote-unquote lessons with Kosh, and a gift shop opens up on Babylon 5, which is interesting because there actually was a website that was a gift shop for Babylon 5 items like the things you see in the show because I bought quite a few things from them over the years. All right. This episode, notable guest stars. Oh, I, don't, I didn't put down who. Uh, well, it was written by Peter David. I don't know who the – let me see if I can see who the director was real quick. It take me two seconds because I had the thing open. Ah, written by Peter David. Oh, directed by Mike Vijar. He ends up doing quite a few good episodes before the series is over. He's, I would say there's like five directors that pop up a lot. Uh, Adam Nimoy, Mike Viger, uh, there's like uh, Eagle, David Eagle, and uh, Janet Greek, I believe. There's just a handful that end up doing quite a few. Uh, notable guest stars, Julie Caitlin Brown. Did you recognize her? I did. I thought that was very cool. She's an interesting looking lady. Without the Narn makeup, so you can see how she makes an interesting-looking Natoth. Right. But she didn't like wearing the makeup. It was very hard on her skin and her eyes for the contacts and everything. I mean, you know, some people are born to wear that stuff, like Andreas. You know, he probably could have dressed like Kosh all day and all night and been perfectly happy, honestly. Uh, She had a tough time with it, so she gets to come back as a human character for one shot. She played Guinevere Corey. I'm glad she was in this episode, but honestly, she didn't really do anything. She didn't do much. She just came in and, and um, yelled it. Talked tough to Sheridan. Yeah. <laughs> yelled at she, Sheridan she a little a, bit, right? She played a, a, a lawyerly type. I mm. thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was cool. And then Sean Gregory Sullivan as Ashan, who's one of those punks you want to punch in the face. All right, do you, <laughs> do you have any random factoids and notes for this episode? 
I, you know what? I can't think of any off the top of my head. It's been a while, and I, I have that one blank on my on my uh, <laughs> notes here. So, understandable. I guess I don't. I guess I don't have anything. I, I got thought a I did, but okay. you got a couple. Yeah, I got a couple of things. Uh, one is where the name came from. There's a Alexander Pope wrote an essay on man, Epistle Four, and Ooh. I like it because it says honor and shame from no condition rise. Act well your part, there all the honor lies. So the title of the episode is based on There All the Honor Lies, that part of Alexander Pope's poem. But it's also a play on words because the Minbari lies when honor is at stake. Right. Isn't I that, that was kind of cool? neat. That is Peter David. I, I think I'm going to credit Peter David. It's either him or JMS after the fact, but I'm going to probably say Peter David came up with that. Yeah, he's, he's smart dude. Yeah, that sounds very Peter David-ish. Yep. Um, you know, I, I do have a little something. Now that we brought up Peter David, I remember reading this. The teddy bear that ends up getting spaced towards the end, that was an actual gift that uh, – oh, this is one of yours too. I'll go ahead, please. He, Peter David's wife gifted that to JMS because she knew he hated – uh, uh, cute stuff, and that's yep. what the JS on the, on the bear shirt was. It wasn't John Sheridan; it was uh, Joe Jay Straczynski. Joe Straczynski. Yep. yep. Um. So he uh, he killed it off, or he thought he killed this bear off in in this episode as revenge for getting that that cutesy bear. Yeah. But apparently, there's another TV show that um, that uh, uh, Peter David wrote for, and had that bear show up, and that space show uh one of the one of the characters found it floating in space so i thought that was kind of funny a little back and forth between the two of them with that that stupid bear <laughs> that is really cool yeah yeah uh i have a couple of details about it it was a vermont teddy bear 20 inch uh the color it's from the 1994 winter collection catalog uh he's yeah 20 inches tall and the color of his fur is quote pockets thick milk chocolate unquote uh-huh my wife loves Vermont Teddy Bear. She has quite a collection. Oh, wow. And it said that uh, Peter said his wife was at that point working hard on a Minberry. <laughs> I'm sure that went... I never saw that, so I guess that didn't ever come, come to pass. Right. Now i got a couple more things to ask uh, Peter about when I see him at Dragon Con next year. Because there's one thing for sure is that Peter, David, and I are both always at Dragon Con. You're always going to find us sitting around at Dragon Con, so we hang out. Um... Oh, and JMS said, while adding the teddy, bar teddy bear parts to Peter David's script, which obviously JMS added them, Peter didn't put those in there. Right. While doing right. that, he said, I also wrote and inserted the Kosh perfect beauty scenes that we're going to get to in a minute, I'm sure. Since I was already in it at that point anyway, I figured it would be cool. He says, it also keeps the Sheridan learning stuff, all capital letters, thread going and works in a nice balance to the rest of the episode. Here he's going nuts, being harassed, and his command is on the line, so he has to learn to bend his knee, accept silence, give up his command symbolically by giving up the stat bar, and finding one moment of perfect beauty. And I really like that a lot. So, you want to hit into High Point? Uh, yeah, the high point for me was actually Julie Caitlin Brown as the lawyer because you okay. know we have we had seen her all through episode one, but it was really cool I thought to see her as you know as a human so we could see what she actually looked like and I thought she did a, a, a good job. She didn't have a lot of meat to to, to uh, deal with, but um, mm -hmm. the scenes she was in she she owned them. She was really really good. 
She's very charismatic and dynamic. She holds the stage, commands the stage when she gets that opportunity. Very much so, yes. Interestingly, she quit acting and became like an agent for a while. And right. she had she had connections to the DragonCon people. So there was a time in the late 90s, early 2000s, when DragonCon would get so many Babylon 5 actors. Like every year we would have five, six, seven, eight, or more. And it was always Julie Caitlin Brown behind the scenes getting them to come. Because right. they would, DragonCon would talk to her and she'd call them all up and say, let's go to DragonCon. And That's it was awesome. really cool. We, I mean, there was one year, I'm going to use the show name just to not confuse myself. There was one year we had Delenn, Marcus, Londo, Jakar, Emperor Cartagia, and um, I don't remember if we ever had, yeah, we had Ivanova at one point, but I think it was the same year as the others, and, and um, Talia. Um, they were all there at the same time, I believe, or most of them. There was another year that, that Lita and Kosh were there. Cool. And I didn't have my lithograph yet, so I never did get them to sign it. They're the only they're like two of the only people that never signed my poster, which makes me mad because they were there right in front of me. But so anyway. it was the, the guy the guy that walked around in the Kosh outfit or the guy that voiced Kosh? The guy that walked around in the costume. It was not Art Wright gotcha. Chamberlain. It was uh it was the so. because Lita Lita was dating him for a while. I can't think really? of his name now. I can't think <laughs> of his name. He was he was like a production designer or whatever, but he also was in the yeah. Kosh outfit. And he actually was on the Babylon 5 podcast that was on like 10, 15 years ago. There was a sh- there was like a big Babylon 5 podcast, and he was one of the – was it Jeffrey Willerth? Could be. I think I it was know. Jeffrey – I think his name was Jeffrey Willerth. Yeah, okay. All right, my high point of the episode was when they got Ashan to confess by getting him to admit while they're recording or whatever in the other room. It was very Perry Mason-ish. I like that. Right. It was very Jeffrey Sinclair-ish. That's something yes. Sinclair would have done. I like that we're on the we're still on the lookout for Sinclairisms that seem to have snuck through from season one. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, all right, what was your low point? I didn't have one. I, I thought this was. I mean, it wasn't a spectacular episode, but there was really nothing that that hit a low point for me. It was it was solid all the way through, beginning to end. Um, you know, by the way, one thing about a JMS episode that always it always comes to me. He's primarily a writer of comics and novels, not as much as TV shows, and. Every Babylon 5 episode that he's done, I could see as like a 200-page Del Rey novel. I, I mean, I could right. just see him. You could make a 200-page book out of his episodes. More than most, you know what I mean? More than most yeah, episodes, I, they they seem to fit that way. I can see that. You know, okay. the, the, I, I, I will think one thing that kind of made me cringe a little bit was when Lanier walked up behind the the security officer and did the kind of the the double chop with his hands to knock him unconscious, kind of like a, yeah. a poor man's Vulcan nerve pinch. It was like <laughs> like oh. the the ultimate Kirk Fu move or something. It was, yes, it was a, a, a poor Minbari's a poor Minbari uh, man's right. Move. Yes, <laughs> that's good. My low point, honestly, I hate to say it, was Sheridan's reaction to the bear, and it it. When I watched it cold the first time back in the 90s, I just didn't understand it because the whole episode he's been defending the gift shop and telling Susan, no, you got to make it work. And then they do a bear of him and suddenly he's like, shut it all down, shut it all down, burn it all down. You know, and I'm just like, I'm just at the time when I didn't know the context, my thought was, so he just is unstable and loses his poop if you make a teddy bear for him. I don't know. That didn't make any sense to me. Now I know the context, and now it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's that it feels forced. I feel like JMS wanted him to 
throw a fit over the bear, but it's not really earned because we don't have any reason or context for why he would, you know what I mean? He just tells us he doesn't like teddy bears, but if they could have just set it up, so, and I know it's a kind of a dumb thing to complain about, but right. if they could have set up two episodes earlier that he had trauma over teddy bears, then when this <laughs> thing showed up, we'd be like, uh-oh, Sheridan's not going to like that, you know, and it would have right. been cool. This just kind of comes out of left field, and you're just like, what? I don't get it. So that was my real, that was my only real problem with it. Um, That's legit. Yeah. Uh, but we did get to see Keffer because of it. Yes, we had a we had a very brief Keffer moment, so I I appreciated that. I mean, we haven't seen him in a while. No, and and we got to get as many of these moments in as we can because, uh, yeah, it was just interesting that they you pulled know. him pulled him in just for that one little throwaway scene. So that was interesting. I thought. <laughs> right. right. Uh, do we have a well? And and they they pulled uh, Talia in for just the one scene where she walks through the the Zocalo and runs oh, into Veer. You're right. You're right. That's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, I forgot about she, that. She literally had like two lines, and and that was it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she looked fantastic, though. So I mean, it was it was worth it from from no. the viewer's point. No kidding. Um, <laughs> I, our show's love for for Talia um, is 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 well documented, and we make no apologies. We make no apologies. <laughs> None needed. No. All right. Do you have an Orenzento Ari Benzane award for overacting for this episode? I don't. I, I think everybody did a fine job. Oh, you're going to hate me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You're going to hate don't me. Don't say Keffer. No, no, no. <laughs> Warren was fine in his shock and reaction to the bear sticking to his windshield. I would freak out, too, if a big giant thing, <laughs> like giant bird poop at first glance, smacks my windshield. No, and no. I like how the, there, there was a bear shape on his, uh, his heads-up display, too. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but that's perfect. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. By the way, with uh, a minute 17 to go, Auburn's up by 17. So I, I think I can square away and I can quit watching the game with one eye. Um, I, you're going to hate this, but I had to give the Orenzento Ari Benzane overacting award to Julie Caitlin Brown because she really, she shatners all over the place. She, <laughs> she chews that scenery. And, and I mean, some of it is her just being charismatic, and some of it is I'm like, dial it down just a little bit. It's not the bad acting award, remember? It's the overacting award, and I felt like right. kind of William Shatner a little bit there, just a little bit. <laughs> and, I know. All right, I'll 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 give you a little. I'll cut you a little bit of slack here, but all right. uh, fair enough. Just a little bit. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, this is the one I've been waiting for. What is your most Babylon Five scene? I wonder if it's the same. Uh, <laughs> when there was a couple of them, actually, there was there was actually quite a few of them I could have done for this. Oh, but absolutely. My, the the one scene that stood out to me was when uh Garibaldi was talking to Sheridan about the the initial the initial uh interview trying to get the information from what happened and he said well what did he talking about the the uh, the the witness he said well what did he look like it it, it was a Minbari and Sheridan just kind of <laughs> shrugged and said I don't know he was bald with a bone on his head <laughs> <laughs> that was and pretty Garibaldi good Garibaldi said well yeah well heck of a lineup. That one, and I got. I also got to um, toss in the uh, Ivanova because we haven't given Ivanova much love the, the, this episode yet. No. Uh, when when uh, right. um, uh, Londo comes up with his little doll of himself, and <laughs> the doll has, it is not anatomically correct, and Ivanova catches on to what what is upsetting uh, Londo about the doll. She goes, "Oh, so you feel like you've been symbolically cast 
uh, in a bad uh, light. In a bad light. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Now, hold on. These sound like your funniest moments. Are these Babylon 5 moments or funniest moments? Oh, I'm sorry. That was, oh. We can I do that. We, funniest we can funniest moments. No, right. we can do that. That's fine. Well, we just shuffle well, it around. No, I, yeah, I, I have a whole different one for the Babylon Five moment. So, what, go ahead. What, what's your funniest moment? Okay, yeah, yeah. No, um, my funniest moment was this isn't some deep space franchise. This station is about something that that was great because it is like all the talk about Deep Space Nine versus Babylon Five, and JM and I guess Peter slash JMS just smacked star trek right in the face with that one i mean that was just yeah that was good. slapping him in the face you know and i had it narrowly beats out londo with his action figure because that was pretty good too yeah like you said that was funny that was pretty good all right so what's your most babylon 5 scene all right whole different scene um yes. when uh and uh did we do character moment that's as next oh that's next okay for the babylon 5 scene um, I'm sorry. The, these these notes are a month old, so I'm trying to read my my chicken scratch. It's been a while, Andy. It's down, no problem. I, I write down my notes while while we're while I'm watching, so it's usually just a word or two <laughs> scratched somewhere on the page. Um, so the most Babylon Five scene for me was Sheridan and Delenn's conversation in the garden um, when yeah. they're talking about uh, the the honor and and mm. she she brings up her you know her difficulty tying her situation to Sheridan's situation. When she's feeling like the outcast among her own people because of the uh, the changes she has gone through. Yeah, no, that's good. Basically, whenever they can get Delenn revved up onto something, it's a pretty good scene, I find. Right, because yeah. she's she's such a tough character, and she's always has this this rigid exterior, um, like like she's wearing armor. But every once in a while, somebody just stabs her in the right spot, and and you can just see it on her face. Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. It is interesting. Um, my most Babylon Five scene. This is one of my most. This is one of my favorite, just random throwaway uh, scenes in the entire series, and that is the one moment of perfect beauty when Sheridan is led by Lon- by by Londo by Kosh to what turns out to be, I think, the Pakmara chorus, the like the Pakmara opera or whatever, and it turns out they can really sing. The Pac yeah. apparently the Pac Morale interned at like the uh, Monte Cassino in Italy with the monks, you know. <laughs> yeah, and th- this like, was in the Whoa. the mid nineties where uh, the uh, the Gregorian chants went through like about a, a an eight month uh, yep. rise of uh, to popularity, That's which I exactly. thought was cool because my my uncle was actually a Gregorian monk and did a lot of that stuff. Whoa. So I, I I've always been a huge fan of of Gregorian chants. So yeah, that scene I. I Totally appreciate what you're saying. That scene was totally cool. Yeah. I love that he had to take his stat bar. That was all he had, but that was kind of like symbolic, you know, that he gave yep, that over. Absolutely. And, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, the, the Enigma was big then too. And so they had like a pop rock version of the Gregorian. Right. Scene. It, that, you're right. It was right. like five minutes that they were really big and uh, that was cool. Uh, okay. Let's see. We haven't done. What's your favorite character moment? That same scene was my very, my favorite character moment because yeah. It, it it showed his character like what you were saying. He had to the entire episode. He was all stressed out, always very tense. And mm-hmm. then when he gets there, you can just see it on his face when all the after he gives up his 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 command stat his the, the stat bar. So like you said, it's symbolically giving up his command, and he's mm-hmm. just able to let everything go for just a, a brief moment of beauty. And you can just see the the, the on his face. You can just see the the tension just 
vanishing and and it was it was it was a beautifully shot scene you know the lights came up and you could see all the the, mm -hmm. the i didn't i had no idea that those were pakura i thought i think that that makes the scene even cooler because mm -hmm. of the pakura are associated with with you know disgusting eating habits and they're gross yes. looking and all that and to see yes. them responsible for for producing such beauty i thought that was that that's that's that enhances the the scene for me that's pretty darn cool absolutely right yes um and, and I was going to say, yeah, you absolutely nailed it. It was such a beautifully shot scene. You and I have talked repeatedly here about there's times that they do less with less visually, and there's times that they do more with less. It's, yep. they, they never have more. So they either do more with less or less with less. And like the council chamber, we've always fought, thought was less with less. Right. Uh, this is basically just a, a studio space with some netting and some lights, and yet they make it really impressive. It looks like an expensive scene, and yet when you really break it down, it probably cost them twenty bucks. And that's right, it's just the, yep, it's the camera angles and the camera movement. And when they brought all, I, I thought it was just the one monk and Sheridan at first mm. but then when they brought up the lights and you see that he's completely surrounded by all these mm. monks and the way they moved the camera it, it gave it a very ethereal feel it was Absolutely. pretty darn cool it's it's one of the more doing more with less scenes of the entire series right absolutely yeah yeah i mean a, a million dollars of cgi wouldn't have made that scene any better oh absolutely and kudos to the director for for putting that in there it was very artistic 100 percent um my favorite character moment was Lanier confronts Ashan and turns it around on him. No, you have brought shame, but I will restore honor. Yep. I like that that dude had his little rigid ideology and Lanier basically just holds a mirror up to him and says, dude, you are completely backwards and you need to get, you need to get right. You need to get yep. right with Valen. You need to get some Valen up in here, y'all. <laughs> you need to get you some Valen, dude. Uh, I'm very proud and, and of that. I I thought that was really cool. I think the Minbari take on honor is is interesting in how different it is from what we're used to, like the Klingon code mm. of honor, where it's much more about fighting and and you don't like me, so I'm gonna cut you with my bat left. I mean this this is much more uh, uh, intelligent or mm. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, it's uh, it's got a cerebral. little bit of the it's got a little bit of the Vulcans from Star Trek, but it's but it's different. And, right. and that's what I thought was interesting, too, is that Peter David has written a lot of Star Trek novels. He's written a lot right. of Star Trek. He knows the Vulcans and the Klingons and all. So it was interesting to see him writing characters that are in some ways similar, but like you just said, they go in a different direction with it. Uh, yeah. And I really I appreciated that and I liked it yeah. because he can write that kind of stuff and he can write those distinctions that are small but that show it's not the same. This isn't a Star Trek ripoff. This is a different thing and these characters and these alien races are different and that was really good. Um, who won this episode, Andy? Uh, for me, I, I think Veer came off starting out the lowest and ending up with, with the, the biggest win um, because he was, I mean, he was a, a disgrace to his family from before the, the series even started. And from what Londo did for him, he ended up being uh, raising his status among not just his family, but above, uh, uh, raising his, his status amongst the Centauri people as a whole, which we can talk about in the um, spoiler space. Yes. 
Cool. So I, I think, yeah, he definitely came off as the winner of this one. Well, again, it's one of those where I don't have a specific clear winner. I actually wrote down everyone won except the Minbari who were on Ashan's side. I said this was, <laughs> this was another episode where basically everybody wins except the one major bad guy, and he was mostly off camera in the background because Ashan was just a cat's paw working for somebody else, you know. Um, right. Last time it was the bad elements on Earth. This time it's the bad elements on Minbar. So the previous episode it was the bad people back on Earth, the Clark people. This time it's the it's the and, and you know he he's like in the same kind of role. Ashan is in kind of the same kind of role as Cranston. You you in both right. cases you have a pawn who's on Babylon Five representing a larger mean force that's off camera. So I thought it was interesting that Earth uh, Earth Dome was taking advantage of this as an opportunity. To oust Sheridan, did, did did that come across to you at all? Because I know the, the lawyer mean. even the lawyer even said to him, you know, even if you win, you know, this trial, it's going to look bad enough for you that you'll have to leave your post permanently. Mm-hmm. So it's like they were like, oh, this is a way because is Clark to the point where he's ready to move Sheridan out? I didn't think yes. it we're that far along in their relationship Mm-mm. yet. Mm-mm. No, I agree with you. I think this. I, I know what you mean, and it does feel like they were looking for some leverage, but I think that if Clark wanted Sheridan gone, he would just fire him. I don't, I don't think he'd hesitate. Right. I think that Clark still okay. thinks Sheridan's one of his boys, and I, I think that as much as I agree that it seemed that way, I my overall feel is that this was a case of Clark being like, hey, if you can't, if you can't get the job done there, I'm going to have to get rid of you type of thing rather than I want to get rid of you. Gotcha. So that, that was my feel, but I think it's a very, very valid question. Very valid question. All right, here we go again. I think this is going to be interesting. What did you rate this one on a scale of one to five? Those are, For our new listeners, we rate on a scale of one to five, but we do allow half points. Or for those visitors or listeners who may have forgotten because it's yes. been so long. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, I, again, this was one of the ones that could have gone either 2.5 or 3.0 for me because it was a solid episode. It wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't terrible. I, I landed on the, the more conservative side and gave it a 2.5. Well, once again, you had a 2.5 and I had a 2 last time, and I have a 2 this time. Um, I gave it most of that 2 for the one moment of perfect beauty. The whole Minbari plot line, it, it, was as, it was done about as well as it could be done. It just wasn't my favorite story, so it wasn't right. bad. But I, re- I reserve bad episodes for like 1, 1. 1.5, 0.5, 0.5, right? So <laughs> anything in the twos is like, it's okay. Threes yeah. is like, oh, that was pretty good. Four is like, holy cow, that was awesome. And five, it only happens a couple of times, so. Right. And I, I thought that this episode was noteworthy and, and worth a little bit of a star for uh, Londo Malari. Um, we, we get a glimpse yeah. of the old Londo. You're right. Um, he, he's, he's still trying to be the good guy, even though he knows he's too far gone. And Veer even points out how far gone he is. He's still trying to be the And he's still capable of being compassionate and still being that, that Londo that we know he was at one point in time. So yeah. I, I thought that was a nice nod. Uh, back to that, so that that bumped up my estimation of this episode a little bit. I'm I'm going to go ahead and go along with you here because I'm going to say at this point my COVID was probably so bad I didn't know what I was saying <laughs> <All right. laughs> when Fair I was writing enough. these notes. <laughs> you were healthier <laughs> than I was when these notes were being written, so I'm going to agree with you. I'm not going to agree with myself. I'm going to agree with you. All right. All right, our next installment. We're going to do spoilers in just a second. Our next installment 
We'll cover, go back to the main page here. It's not going. Oh, wrong button. There. Um, our next will include, and now for a word, which is an interesting kind of a bottle episode, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And, and then, Andy, we have episode production number 217, In the Shadow of Zahadoom. Kind of a big episode. It's kind of big. And let me just say this. The week after that, or the episode after that, we have a couple of fairly good ones. And then after that, it is bang, 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 bang to the end of the season. To the end so, of the series. <laughs> well, yeah, but to the for, for sure yeah. to the end of season two, the last four. So yeah, Absolutely. Man. All right. So we have basically eight more episodes to go, eight more Babylon 5 episodes, four more of our episodes to go to get to the end of season two. And it really ends strong. It really ends strong. But I can't believe yeah. that you and I are going to have to have an episode where we talk about Comes the Inquisitor and the Fall of Night. That that one may run two hours. I apologize to both of our wives in advance. <laughs> but in any case, let's wrap up this one tonight at a more reasonable time. We're only at about an hour right, right now. Uh, we got to go through the jump gate. And I want to hit the right button and not hit a football button. Aha. Jump gate activated. All right, so we have gone to the spoiler section, and I've only got one spoiler thing for this, really. So this may be short. Do you have any spoiler okay. stuff? Uh, I only want to p- point out that Veer ends up as Emperor of the Centauri Republic, <laughs> right? That's a slight and, spoiler, yeah. I'm glad you saved that you, one there, Andy. Right, <laughs> and you can point you can point that rise to this the, that final scene when Londo did his thing. He did it strictly out of you know trying to be a, a buddy to to Veer. And look where you know, look where Veer ended up because of it. That's for a better very or good, for worse. Yeah, for, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. I still don't be- quite believe how that all plays out, but you're right. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, my only spoiler was that the I told you I would tell you the reason why I deducted a half a point from Hunter Prey. Hey, kitty. And the reason that I deducted a half a point from Hunter Prey is that after everything we go through in this episode to get the doctor and his secret data and evidence back to the good guys, we never hear from that plot ever again. Right, ever. It it never matters. Right. And I mean, JMS has said that we have to assume that in the legal wrangling in the fallout of the Earth War, it must have been used to like justify everything, and that's fair enough. But we we just never see it again. We never see the doctor again. We never see that evidence again. I, I and I think I, I was probably intentional. I think, like you said, they wanted to give a nod to the fact that there is still people working on on doing the political thing in the background. Yeah. When all the actual war stuff starts happening, that just kind of gets shuffled off to the side. But I I think this didn't want to address. He didn't want to turn this into so much a, a legal slash political let's impeach the president drama. Uh, he wanted to get to the fun stuff with the, the, the laser beams and this, the stuff blowing up. So yeah, I, I think, I think that was intentional. Yeah, I agree. All right. All right. That's all I have for spoiler section. Do you have any final thoughts in this episode before we wrap it up? I don't. I think, uh, I think both episodes, like I said, were, were solid, not spectacular, but, but a fun watch. Yeah. They're a fun watch and they're, they're not huge, but we, like I said, we've got a really, really, We've we've got an interesting one next time and a big one. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about next time, right. and then uh, it really hits hard and fast after that. So, 
All right. Well, that was fun. We are the, the main thing we accomplished tonight, Andy, is to remember who each other were and remember what Babylon Five was, <laughs> and to get <laughs> get back on the Star Fury and get back to business. So, um, right, and and to remember how to work our computers. <laughs> exactly. I I had to remember everything tonight. It was quite a right. quite a challenge, and coughing, and trying to watch a basketball game all at the same time, and watching your cat control around the room at the same time. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to keep track of tonight, but I think we brought it home safely. All right, everybody, we hope you enjoyed it. We will see you soon. Andy, take it easy, and we're out of here. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.